and boom goes the dynamite. Welcome to a special episode of Boom Goes a Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. Uh, with me tonight, Paul Sebastian. I'm Jeffrey, of course. See, this is so special, I'm doing it backwards. And uh, tonight, we are reviewing a little later than I wanted to because of the stupid hospital system here. <laughs> well, yeah. Delaying me. But... Uh, it's okay. It's just a, a normal procedure that my son needs, but it, it took 50 million years to get it done today. And then I had some other shit I had to do literally before the sun went down. So, All right. This is the Checklists podcast. It's where we make checklists and we go through them. We organize our day. We uh, write in folders. Uh, we use planners, organizers, digital calendars of various forms. So, folks, synchronize your Apple Watches, get out your planners, and get ready to get organized. So uh, we are here to talk uh, the fact that uh, we no longer, we nominally no longer live in a fascist state, but, you know. Well, I think that's up for debate. Well, yeah, uh, nominally, I said. <laughs> <laughs> nominally, indeed. Nominally, indeed. Um, yeah. They're like, still yeah, wrestling. They're still wrestling either way. As we as we said last episode of uh, well, actually no, I think it was two episodes ago. Two episodes. As we said, uh, yeah, voting is not the be all end all, folk. Uh, We we got a lot of shit to do. Yes, but do make sure you get out there and vote, like tomorrow or you know whenever next week. You can always vote. You can vote anytime you want. A lot of people don't know this, but you can just walk in and vote. You can walk into the vote store and say one vote, please, and they'll give you a vote. I don't know why people only do it once every couple of years. If you want to vote, you just go out there and vote, man. Well, hey, motherfucker, you get to do it uh, in January. Yep. I, You know, because if voting your OSOF isn't great once, it's so nice. You have to do it twice. Very excited well, remember for, to vote for to, uh, to potentially lose his fourth election in three years. Well, don't forget <laughs> to vote for uh, for for uh, Warnock, too. Yeah, Warnock seems Warnock seems okay too. We got two runoff elections coming down here. We have uh, like the oh, he's like an Obama surrogate, right? He's like an Obama endorsed kind of guy. This Warnock, I think, uh, he seems whatever. And then you have uh, everyone's favorite loser, John Ossoff, uh, running in the other one. A man who just can't win an election yet continues to get promoted. Uh, just the definition of failing up. And he keeps going. And I predicted this, I think, uh, on Twitter, but I'll say it here, too. That man is going to run for president at some point in well, his life. Well, why not? Uh, yeah, well, here's an you, idea. You, well, you know why not vote a, for him and then he will win? One and, you, and you lose uh, uh, a Congress election and then you can't make 50 percent in a Senate. And now you have to go to another runoff that like. I, I mean, I don't want to get too into like the you know logistics and wonkiness of it, but a path to victory for a Democratic Senate candidate at this point is going to take a lot of work for those folks. Let's just say okay, that. Well, hey, let, let, let's wrestling. work. So let's work on it. So anyway, this is a wrestling podcast, and thank God after Saturday morning, um, you know, with the the, the massive events that happened on uh, on Saturday morning, that is, um, for once the the IWGP Challenge Rights briefcase actually changed hands uh, for the first time ever. But you think W is going to get a briefcase at some point? Everybody has a briefcase now. You think they're going to do the briefcase gimmick? Uh, God, I hope not. Yeah, I don't think it's right for them. I, I liked I how Lucha Underground did it when they just, like, the Gift of the Gods belt. It was yeah. like their briefcase. They kind of put their own twist on it. Maybe something like that. Maybe something well, that's cash-inable, but it's not a briefcase, well, right? I thought I, I thought it used to be, that, like, you know, like, you had, like, in, in certain promotions, like, if you had, like, a certain secondary belt and you successfully defended it, like, five or, or ten times or something that you could challenge for the main title. 
I think I, I mean, you know, you know. In, in the WWE heydays, you know, the Intercontinental title was always considered a stepping stone to like the world title. It's yeah. not that way anymore. Maybe I'm thinking of e, maybe I'm thinking of e-fetting, e but you know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Hey, what, don't, what don't, object would you want? What what token object would you want AEW to have instead of a briefcase or a belt? Like they have to have their own thing you can cash in. What what would you have? They they, they they could have done it with that diamond ring. The diamond ring, yeah, they, they could have done, done that. that. They could have. I would done like that. Them to do just something like uh, I would like to do is like like a perishable piece of fruit, like a banana or like a peach, <laughs> because then you have to cash it in before it spoils. So you kind of put like a timer oh, on shit. it, right? Just, oh shit! It's getting soft. Fuck! I got. Yep, I got. I got the banana in the bag, and uh, you know, if I don't cash in this banana and it rots, <laughs> then, you, then you lose your title shot. I don't know. Um, let's do like a uh, like like a uh, like a poker chip. Mm. You know, that's what you those know. go in their their casino kind of themes. Yeah. Like they cash in, you cash in your chips. Yeah. That, yeah. See. See. Like it's, you... it's just like a casino voucher. It's just like one receipt that comes like out of the little machine. <laughs> like they could just make a whole storyline around like you had it, you had the voucher in your other wallet, and then changed wallets, and he lost it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh fuck! <laughs> oh man, I lost my voucher in the bank. Damn it! Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Tony Khan has suspended <laughs> Lance Archer <laughs> because he lost his voucher in the bank. He said, "Do not come back into AEW until you find that voucher in the bank." Uh, maybe they can say, "Cutting a promo like they don't understand." My client just left it in his other pants. He's going to the dry cleaners. <laughs> maybe, it's right maybe, next to my snake vest. Maybe in tribute to Chris Jericho, they could, it could just be like a uh, a certificate for uh, Texas Roadhouse or whatever. Uh, Longhorn <laughs> Steakhouse. Longhorn, yeah. yeah Longhorn Steakhouse gift card in the bank. <laughs> There you go. Cash, cash that in for a title. <laughs> Let's cash it in, medium rare, baby. Let's get it. See, these special ones are are always good because we we can just goof the fuck off for for a little yep. bit. Um, this podcast brought to you by Bon and Viv Artisan Hard Seltzers, specifically the coconut pineapple flavor, which is just pleasant. Uh, I don't want to co completely steal Days of Thunder's gimmick uh, of telling what the, the the beers are, but I'm having a cold uh, Tiskia. It's just an old-fashioned can check. We love a good old-fashioned can check on the podcast. Uh, I'm having a cold tisca after after today because my back is killing me. And I, uh, yeah. I did uh, I did a lot of and, yard work yesterday. I yeah, I, yeah, I did too. And and Arsenal lost three 0 today. And I'm just yeah. And Ooh. Steelers are losing. And God damn Ooh. it. Although they're yeah. coming back, I think so. Uh, anyway, uh, just real quick, uh, before anybody asks, um, we decided to to do a little bit of continuity because. We, we, we left off last episode uh, talking about uh, licensed music and theme songs. And when I went to go look for a theme song for this episode, I realized there were no songs that have, you know, full, you know, pop songs that have full gear. So I just went ahead and did, uh, you know, the, you, as you, as did you Jane, all heard, all I did want. Jane, which we all we, want. We, so we all want it. We want it licensed. I was thinking about it, especially during, we'll, we'll get to the Orange Cassidy match, just like listening to Orange Cassidy walking like, man, if this was Jane. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, you know, again, I, I still insist that it, for me, it's more Moxley and aneurysm, but you know. <laughs> Hey, we all have our we have our things we need, and I, I you know I like Moxley's AEW music. I think it works. Not as much as New Japan music. No, I mean that's that's the real shit. Right the Death Riders. We love Death Rider. We're Death Rider stands around here. We are. And with that, let's get to the Full Gear pay per view live from Jacksonville, Florida. At mean. Woo! <laughs> Bye, God. Jacksonville, Florida, Gene. <laughs> We are live. Oh. Uh, now, I missed most of the buy-in match, uh, which was, of course, Serena Deeb versus Allison K. Serena Deeb defending the NWA World's Women Championship. Uh, so, go ahead, Paul. A, a, a wholly fine opening match. Serena Deeb, great hand in the ring. Allison K., someone I've been a fan of a long time. Uh, you know, hometown, Detroit, Michigan. What, what? Uh, but no, it was, it was a really nice match. Uh, Serena's really showed up in her opportunities in AEW. Uh, it's nice to see it. I like the NWA title being on the line. Uh, good kickoff, and it finished with uh, Thunder Rosa coming out to have a little face-off. Yeah. Uh, to keep that little title feud going, which I think is nice. Um, I'm guessing that Thunder Rosa dropped this belt because she has a future in AEW. 
that's what I'm. Uh, that's probably what I would assume is happening here. Uh, I guess we'll see, but I'm expecting more Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb stuff in AEW in the future, which good. But uh, yeah, that was that was some good stuff to see oh, that yeah. uh, she she came. Yeah, she was there. It was like, oh shit, okay, maybe she won't be going to uh, to to. <laughs> she'll be staying in Jacksonville rather than uh, heading down to uh, to Orlando instead. Is that which uh, a little bit off topic? But did Alex Zane sign with WWE? Is that where he's going? Because uh, I, I don't know, I, did he? I was I, watching. So as we're recording this, uh, GCW's pay per view or their event on IWTV should be just about wrapping up, and uh, Alex Zane had his last indie match there, and I don't know where he signed. Well, he's so, been he's been on NJPW Strong recently. Right. I don't think he signed full time there though. I don't know. Um, I hadn't but, heard. Well, if you uh, if you're listening and you know where Alex Zane signed, you can always hit us up on uh, Twitter at BGTD podcast and uh, tell me where Alex Zane signed and call me stupid for not knowing. Can we call you stupid anyway? Yes. OK, cool. Uh, after this, in fact, we should. I've you know, I've been called, uh, quote unquote, dumb as shit by a lot of people's favorite Twitter accounts. So, you know, I, I wear that as a badge of honor. If you wow. don't think I'm dumb as shit and you read my tweets, then like I don't really that's more of a personal problem on you. Oh, wait, I, I need to know what 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 Twitter accounts are calling you. I dumb am as shit. not naming any of these losers on my podcast. They can all go fuck themselves. I wouldn't give them the uh, the time of day or the shine. Okay, all right, fair enough. You, you can tell me off the air, so... Haters uh, and losers, folks. Bye-bye, they're losers. Get them out of here. Big ups to all my haters. Woo! All right, gotta bring... <laughs> lean back a little bit there. Uh, okay, so the the show proper starts where we have uh, Jim Ross coming out to, uh, you know, to the Oklahoma University fight song. God, who cares? <laughs> it's college sports. It's his thing. He likes to do it. You know, it's his, it's his thing he does. Um, and then they are joined by Don Callis for hey. our first match of the evening, the finals to the Eliminator Tournament, Kenny Omega versus Adam Page. Um, yeah, the, the, Kenny still hamming it up on these intros. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, I think you know, something it's probably been talked about, but I think it's very funny that uh, – Kenny Omega has like the the two dancers come out and do the little dancey thing first because it's very clear that he wanted it to be like choreographed as though the women are like video game characters like an eight bit kind of right it's like it's supposed to evoke like like little like the the pageantry you'd see at the beginning of a video game like an old school game um, but it's very clearly just these two like models or dancers like doing a dance that they think is very lame and just kind of going through with it and uh, I think that's fun. <laughs> You know, if that doesn't sum up Kenny Omega, well, right there. I mean, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to talk about Kenny Omega quite a bit through, uh, uh, through here. Um, yes. Um, overall, uh, the match just peachy. Peachy the, is the, uh, a gross understatement. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it. I think this is my match of the year. I think this is, I think this is ooh, number one. I don't know about that, but I think this is my number one to date. I think it's a near perfect match. Um, it. It had incredible flow and, and you know the storytelling was great the transitions were smooth it was one dominated by reversals like the name of the game was these guys know each other's moves and you know were countering a ton and it was seamless and it made sense and it was efficient i think it was one of the best things to say about this match this match was under 17 minutes yeah and it was an incredible use of that time you know i think this is why when everybody always talks about the the you know including AEW commentators talking about his matches with Kazuchika Okada, they always point to you know the 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 two out of three falls that happened. You know, it took over an hour for that match to take place. It's like no, his best match was the one in G One Climax yeah, because cl- it, it was it was you know it, there was a thirty minute time limit and it cut out a lot of bullshit. A lot of Kenny Omega's yeah, bullshit, think... and this match did that too. It was very, as you said, it was it wasn't efficient. It was more just streamlined. I think is a better word. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I just I thought it was a great match. I thought I'm, both competitors were incredible in it. And you know, I'm just gonna say it. Kenny Omega is still one of the best like rest like executing pro wrestlers on the planet. Like he's still incredibly good at the thing that he does, and his moves look great. His he just was great in every way. I have no real criticisms against Kenny in this match. 
I thought he was awesome, and I thought Paige was too. I thought they made some fucking magic in this match, and you know, my whole sense was, oh fuck, who's gonna follow that? Fortunately, uh, I was not disappointed the rest of this show, but I do think that this is the best match I've seen all year. I might not go that far. Uh, I, I've seen some, some better ones, uh, especially since you know, um, well, you, you, you know my my New Japan sensibilities. So I you know, I and, hear you. I just you know like New Japan's best matches I think do go around thirty minutes or more, and I just thought it was amazing. Uh, no, this... because um, I, I you know I, I'm thinking like you know, even just yesterday Shingo Takagi versus Minoru Suzuki again. And those mm. matches, and you know, those matches bang. So you know, right? But I think the stakes, you know, of this match, you know, combined with everything else, you know, raised it up a little bit too. And then the fact that these guys played up to the stakes of the match, it felt like it meant a lot to both of them. Yeah, uh, and you know, that's a lot on you know the psychology of it, and both these guys selling for each other, and again the reversals and the transitions, and how it really felt like both of them just really, really wanted it. The finish was great. Uh, yeah, just an absolute banger. More of this, man. If you're going to make a match in less than 20 minutes, they should look like this. No, I agree. No, I thought this match was, was, uh, fantastic. Um, they transitioned from that into an ad for, uh, some AEW games event happening on Tuesday. That's Um, right. Which will, uh, if you want to watch along with some friends and talk wrestling and have a nice time, you can always, uh, come hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thick flare. All C's no K's twitch.tv slash thick flare, where we're going to check that out Tuesday at 6 PM. Okay. Uh, I'll try to, I may not be able to, but I'll, I'll try to, we'll definitely talk about it on, uh, on Boom Goes the Dynamite this coming week. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. But yeah, we'll be live there. So listeners, uh, come on and uh, hang out and chat. Our second match of the evening, Orange Cassidy versus John Silver in a beyond horrific uh, match. Yeah, and that's that is what really stood out. Like it was genuinely like a beyond match, uh, but elevated, right? Like they did elevate some things. Like I think Orange Cassidy's move set, like it's becoming more complete, and he's really making great use of it. John Silver is a great foil for him. One because they do know each other so well and have competed so much. But his strength and like their difference in styles really makes for a good television match. Uh, yeah, I actually thought this was this is uh, quite good. John oh, Silver, yeah. I didn't realize had gotten that jacked and had that good of a record because I guess all of his matches are on dark, which I don't yes. watch. And, he's a beast. He's huge. And, and my God, he became possibly the biggest heel in the company by tearing Orange Cassidy's pockets <laughs> off of his jeans. Great spot. Looked really good. Good um, golly, Miss Molly. Yeah, very cool stuff. Uh, yeah, so, you know, creative, making more use of Orange Cassidy's, you know, gimmick and moveset, uh, you know, in a match that didn't have, like, crazy stakes or anything, you know, a, a rivalry that started with, well, you interrupted me doing some shit a week or two ago or something. So now we got to fight each other. But they made the most out of it. And, uh, yeah, very fun yeah, match. I, John, that one-hand gorilla press from John Silver, fucking outrageous. Yeah, I, I really expected this to be more of a comedy match than it actually was. But also, this is just a weird match to put on the pay-per-view. Like, uh, they, they, no, they, really could have, that... they really could have put this on the buy-in instead of Serena Deeb versus Allison Kate. Well, but this then it, was going but, to be the buy-in match before they booked Serena Deeb yeah. and Allison Kate. But then that, again, that originally. But then again, I can also see in the alternate universe where that stayed, we would be complaining of why was Orange Cassidy in the semi-main of All Out, and now he's you know on the opening, <laughs> on, the, on the pre-show. You know, people got to be on some spot on the card, but I thought the card, you know, we, we talked about last week's go-home show, on Dynamite having some issues with placement of segments, but I thought this show was really well-paced and well-placed. And you needed something fun and shorter and not as, uh, you know, uh, breathtaking after to follow that Paige Omega match, and I thought these guys filled that spot really well. And on that note, the the segment that we really complained about that, you know, had the bad placement was our third match of the evening. Uh, Cody Rhodes, now officially Cody Rhodes. Yes, which good for Cody. Fuck that trademark law bullshit. Fuck WWE for holding this man's family namesake from him. Uh, it's bullshit. And just objectively, it's good that Cody Rhodes can use his own name. Uh, Cody Rhodes defending the t- the terrible neck tattoo championship against Darby Allen. Um yeah, this was uh it, it, it is the terrible neck tattoo championship, but but with a little luck, 
with a little elbow grease, with some drive and hard work and determination, it could be the cool face paint belt. It could be. And, um, yeah, this this match was pretty good. Uh, it, it wasn't... But, it didn't I thought blow it was, me away. Very, I thought it was very good. Uh, yeah, it didn't actually. blow me away, but yeah, it was just fine. And uh, the the result was something else. Well, I, so Cody and Darby are perfect foils for each other. I think all of Darby's best AEW matches to date have all been events against Cody Rhodes. Uh, I think you can look back at now. There, this is their fourth match, right? I think all four of them are are quite good, and they bring out the best in Darby's move set and style. They have a contrast in look and, you know, in physicality, but their wrestling styles are actually very similar and have a lot of parallels. So when you watch them wrestle each other, you get this kind of really interesting mirror going on with them, especially when they're doing like kind of shoot stuff. Uh, they're really good at like, you know, mat work and, and different things like that. Transitioning from top rope stuff to mat stuff. Uh, they're, they have really great ring chemistry. Cody brings out the best in Darby and he was the right guy to transition Darby to this belt. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- the fact that he got to, um, you know, he-, he he did finally overcome and and win this belt, um, surviving a crossroads from the top rope, which looked brutal. Ooh, yeah, that avalanche. Uh, yeah, th- that that avalanche. <laughs> yeah, that one was serious. There was some pretty heavy spots. Cody really made himself look and feel a lot bigger than Darby. You know, he used his strength, and it really told a good story in this match. And then, you know, the very NWA, you know, uh, type finish uh, with the trading roll ups until Darby gets that roll up victory. I thought it was right. a really good finish. Yeah, and great, the great uh, stuff. right, and you know, you, you can also see some other things like Arn Anderson getting pissed off at Cody for, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, getting pissed off at Cody for like doing the, you know, the uh, the, the push ups, you know, the, yeah, the push ups, yeah, and, yeah. The the coaching and student dynamic was on display here a little more in some of their previous matches, and I thought they made really good use of that too. A lot of good execution. That's what the the story of the night I think is with this show is everything was very well executed. So even whether or not it's your cup of tea or you don't prefer it, it's not your favorite type of thing or whatever. It's hard to argue against the execution on this one. Yeah. So now we just have to come up with a, uh, a an acronym for TNT for that suits uh, Darby Allen. Uh, well, we'll we'll get back to that. Yeah. Some- if we if we could, if we could somehow incorporate the the I like turtles meme. Um, because ever since uh, Turtle Network Television. Hmm. Maybe. Which, I mean, I would watch it. There's a Turtles channel on Twitch that's really nice. It's just uh, it's just a, a camera pointed at a turtle tank. No shit. Very pleasant. It's called Turtles and Chill. Yeah, cool we, we had to get rid of a turtle when we moved, and now I was kind of sad about that. They're but, good little guys. Yeah, it was a nice little red-ear slider. We actually got it in Chinatown and then took it back to Indiana. <laughs> so, oh, nice. But uh, So not only did you get a turtle, you saved it from being soup. Yeah, well, you know what? It was probably illegally bought anyway because... It, it, we love it, our illegal soup turtles, don't because we? Because there's that, there's that really gray area about, about, uh, about turtles. Oh, okay, yeah. Exotic pet trade is very interesting. Yeah, but I, I was kind of sad that we had to get rid of that turtle. That would be a fun wrestling gimmick, like the exotic pet trader. Like he's a black market pet trader. No, nah, man, uh, we, we, you know what? We, 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 we got so far out of Besides which, you know, the, 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 the real Joe Exotic, it turns out, promoted an NWA show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so maybe... <laughs> They they distanced themselves from that. They said something like uh like he's like na- he was just like around or whatever or like he gave them some money or something. Yeah, they gave him some money to be at his park. Yes. <laughs> was it his park? Oh boy. Yeah, it was at his park. But uh, after the match, uh, now I'll tell you some... who the real biggest heel is. That freaking Carol Baskins. <laughs> what were we thinking? I think we were all just in, in shock after the in the initial pandemic days that we were all watching this because. We look back on it like eight months later. I'm like, holy Jesus Christ, what were we thinking? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of a, an instance that's kind of rare these days. Like there's really no more monoculture anymore, right? So when something like that kind of happens, it is kind of interesting to see like something that like everybody's watching. But full confession, I didn't watch it because I like I already knew about Joe Exotic and I wasn't that interested. Well, it turns out, you know what? A funny story. A friend of mine uh, knew about that. You know, the 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 house in Ohio, in, like in, in Zanesville, Ohio, 
a friend of mine claims that uh, they were there. Oh wow! It before that, before that incident. Come on, yeah. man! You have like an animal trainer gimmick, and he can roll with like uh, Tiger Ali Singh and Tiger Mask um, and Tiger Hattori. Like, just get up on all the wrestlers that have like uh, big cat gimmicks. Uh, Ernest the Cat Miller. <laughs> you just yeah. get like all the wrestlers with like animal gimmicks, and like they'd be his stable. <laughs> That's why he's a black market animal trader. And he came to wrestling because he saw the wrestlers with like animal uh, characters and thought they were real animals. Meanwhile, <laughs> Team Taz attacks Darby Allen and uh, imagine imagine him going to catch the Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to catch Taz. Like a hey, guy bro. in a safari hey, and just runs up behind Taz and like throws a big cartoonish net over him. <laughs> <laughs> Who says no? <laughs> Who says no? <laughs> oh my! <coughs> oh God! You know that if the the whole Tiger King thing broke out in the nineties, Vince McMahon in the early nineties, Vince McMahon would have would have done a gimmick. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Okay, let's get back to this show. Hell, <laughs> it's good shit. I'm telling you, <laughs> we're gonna put you in a tiger costume, the stripes, and you're gonna roar. And you're gonna growl, and you're gonna scratch. <laughs> God damn it! Oh shit, we may be editing some of this out, As or not, or not. I don't know. The tiger stays in the picture. Damn it! Oh my god! Team Taz attacks Darby Allen and Cody and and Arn Anderson too. Apparently, um. They get to the point where they are going to slam the car door on Darby Allen, and uh, Will Hobbs finally gives his answer. Yeah, Willie's back. He gives his answer. He says, "Fuck you guys. Darby's my boy. Dudes so were... rock. They were just be dudes being friends." So there you have it. Uh, there's uh, the the story of of Will Hobbs. Yeah. Taz did a great job cutting this promo uh, with a little interruption there. So. I think we're setting up and it was, you kind of saw Cody and Darby teaming up again when they were getting attacked. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're going to see maybe that three-way match that were that six-way match that we never got last time. Yeah. Was, oh yeah. 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 With, um, yeah. I yeah. Cause maybe... didn't, yeah. Didn't the nightmare family inject themselves into this and so now it's not Mox and Hobbs and, uh, maybe we'll see Darby, Cody and Hobbs against team Taz and maybe they'll get Lance Archer or yeah, somebody it was supposed to be Archer. And then the, yeah, and Archer, COVID. there was a, there was a short Lance Archer segment on this show where it basically said, we're looking for a fight. We need a, we need an opponent. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. That, that's, that's <laughs> coming up. Uh, we do get a nightmare family promo. I wasn't really paying attention to this promo. I think it was, it was, it, 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 was hyping a tag match for Wednesday. Yeah. They're typing, uh, it's, yeah, against yeah. Uh, Butcher and Blade, wasn't it? Yes, which ought to be fun. I think uh, Andy Williams and Dustin will make very good opponents for each other, and I expect that to be a good match. Dustin had a lot of intensity. He really brought it on this promo. It was nice. Our fourth, cool ma our fourth match of the evening, the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, Hikaru Shida defending it against the native beast Nyla Rose. Um, I wish I had better things to say about this match. It was... In my opinion, it was not bad, but it was not great. I thought it was quite good, but there was one glaring issue. I thought the match was going very well until Vicky basically said, Excuse me! To this match. Well, that you know, you can um, say that about a lot of things. By, yeah, true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think what was the biggest glaring problem was her interference spot where she was supposed to sweep Sheeta's leg was done a bit half-heartedly. And for some reason, that one little mistake like messed up the entire pacing of the match for me. And it felt like it did with them, too. I thought just that one little, like, it was supposed to be like a grab of the leg, but kind of she kind of just, like, brushed across Sheeta's leg and she had to, like, sell it. And it kind of messed with the intensity of the entire match from that point forward. And so I thought that was there was a little issue there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I thought it, up to that point was great. I thought the intensity was really good. I thought the back and forth was nice. Um, I thought Nyla showed up. I loved her Mega Man gear. The, the Mega Man Nyla Rose gear was very cool. Yeah, you know what? You're not the only one to point that out because uh, Chris, uh, Dom, you know, Chris. We know, you know Chris. Late of this podcast. Uh, and, Rest you in know. peace, Chris. He's uh, he's with Walt Disney now. He had his head, cryo <laughs> had his head cryogenically frozen. 
<laughs> no, he's gonna be, he'll be back. no, he's gonna be with me on Strong Style. Story he'll be, he'll be back week. in Futurama. You can actually find him in episodes of Futurama in the the big museum of heads. Uh, <laughs> he's next to uh, he's next to Al Franken for some reason. They've been trying. He's been trying to move, and they just won't. He won't put his request in. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, he, yeah. Chris pointed out the uh, the Mega Man gear, and um, in a, in a group chat we were in, um, yeah. Vicky so if Guerrero. Nilo, if Nyla won this match, would she like absorb Sheeta's powers? Good question. Do you want to see? Question. Do you, do you, you want to see Nyla Rose do a Shining Wizard? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> I absolutely do. Yeah, the 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 post match was was ridiculous with with Vicky slapping Nyla and Nyla not doing a damn thing about well, it. This is this is uh, like the the perfect that, Jeff, because it's something's going to happen here. And if you will uh, refer back to something that I said on this very podcast at the beginning of this relationship, where I said, "Hey, we're not sure where this is going, but if it leads to Nyla absolutely destroying Vicky in a couple months, I'm all for it." That's what's happening on the, on Wednesday night. I'm going to say it right here on this podcast, okay, so you, that I'm right by the time you did we come back. That. Yes, you I did think say Nyla that. is going to annihilate Vicky on Wednesday. Well, one, one could only hope. I think that's what I think that's what this was all leading to. And you know, Nyla losing this match and leading to that, I think, is good storytelling. Uh, you know, keeps Nyla away from the title for the time being, but you know, kind of keeps her on track. She's gonna. You know, break from Vicky, get back on her own again, and uh, you know, you got some more really interesting matches for her. She does a great champion, so it's okay for her to keep the belt. Yeah, and and you know, they're going to transition from that into uh, a uh, a feud with Britt Baker, probably at this point. They, I mean, what, yeah, what else are you going to do? So. What else? And hey, Abaddon still on the rankings. Abaddon still undefeated. Watch out for Abaddon. Our fifth match of the evening, a, 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 a vaunted dream match that has been uh, been talked about for, for, for yonks now. Um, FTR versus the Young Bucks uh, for the AEW World Tag Team Championship uh, with the stipulation that Executive Vice Presidents Matt and Nick Jackson will no longer challenge for the AEW World Tag Team titles if they fail to win this one. Yes, and the other stipulation is uh, if you uh, if you bring weed, then they'll tell their parents. Yeah, the young bucks definitely look like they think weed's a gateway drug. <laughs> I, w- I would be shocked if they didn't think that was the case. Uh, oh boy, the the the, the young bucks. Um, so, what did you think of this match? I thought it was quite good, if not a little bit lengthy. The match was almost 30 minutes, and they, I, but I mean, I thought it was really well executed. Again, execution was all there, super clean, super crisp. I thought it kind of got out of some of the trappings of a just a typical Young Bucks match. We talk about that a lot. Like the Young Bucks give you what they gave you; they are who they are. But um, I thought that uh, this one offered, uh, you know, a, a few different things. I thought Nick really shined. Nick Jackson looked spectacular in this match. Uh, he carried a lot of it, and it looked great. In the end, was the difference maker. The Young Bucks uh, get the dub, take the belts. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, again, I also offered the idea that, you know, this are two guys who formed a company to put themselves over. So, yeah, it, at some point they were going to put themselves over. But at, at the same time, I actually thought that the end, the, I, I thought it was actually anticlimactic. Because it rested on the idea that FTR are suddenly not going to be FTR. They they were going to do something else with with what was it? It was a cash doing a uh, a four fifty. Well, yeah. So the you know the idea is no flips, just fists, and their hubris led them to say, "Well, fuck it. We got this in the bag. We always wanted to beat these guys, but now we're going to put an exclamation point on it by beating them at their own game." And it was that very hubris that led to their downfall. It's classic storytelling, brother. <sighs> yeah, it just didn't sit right with me, though. I, I think it, it broke the character. Well, it's not supposed to sit right with you or with them. I and mean, now they have to go back and say, what was I thinking? I can't believe that we were so selfish to think that we could just break out of what we normally do and then win like we always do when we could have just had that win. And now they have to internalize that and say, what do we do from here? Yeah, I mean, you, you could say that, but I mean, like, I I know nothing about FTR in in their in their background prior to being FTR. Uh, besides that, you know, they were the revival, and they've they've done this Arn and Tully um, 
Tribute Act. I mean, what was Cash Wheeler considered like a high flyer or anything like no. that in, in, no, beforehand? Their, their their whole thing is literally their slogan since they became the revival was no flips, just fists. Yeah, but who were they beforehand? They were the revival and then they were the mechanics. They were always they're literally this tag team was with different names, but they've always had the same style. Okay. So yeah, I mean again, that just seems it's the it idea is. to we can even do a flip and beat you because we're just so good and you guys flip fuck that we'll flip and we'll do it even better you know yeah I don't know I mean I, so what I you're saying know. is it didn't work for you it right. didn't work for me it it, it it did not work for me okay I I, I think th- there's a comparison I can make but you know I, I'm not going I don't think I, I think I'm okay. Gonna... What'd you think of all the tag team spots, like the uh, the tag team homage spots? Because I thought that was really a really great sequence in this match. I mean, it it wasn't bad. I mean, it, it, it's something I kind of half expect. You know, right, for, but I thought from... it was done really well. You had your Doomsday device, you had your 3D, uh, you had your Twist of Fate to Swanton. Yeah, uh, you had your uh, double sharpshooters. Right, a lot of good stuff happening there. Well, the what team did that? It was it, it had to be Brett Nolan. Yeah, Brett Nolan. No, no, yeah, uh, Owen and uh, Neidhart. Hart, or any really pick any iteration of the Hart Foundation or Brett and Neidhart. I can't see Jim Neidhart doing a sharpshooter. I'm sorry. Jim Neidhart did the sharpshooter. I think when did he was he? in the Hart Foundation. Oh yeah, I'm probably. Hmm. Every every Hart does a sharpshooter. I wonder if yeah, but he's not a Hart. I mean Neidhart. He's... <laughs> he's not even Canadian. Ah. Uh... Uh, rest in peace, Jimmy Anvil. <laughs> Did he die? Oh, yeah. When? Uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, no shit. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So sorry to break the news to you, bud. But yeah, rip Jim Neidhart. I wonder if, you know, I always did wonder because I have seen the footage of Bret Hart as a young boy, you know, as a young boy, even prior to being in the WWF, uh, you know, touring in New Japan. I'm wondering if he got the, the sharpshooter from, uh, from Ricky Choshu. Because that was uh, the Sasora Gatame. You know what's funny is I don't think that's it, but he did talk about who gave it to him recently, and it wasn't Stu. And now I can't remember who he said taught it to him. So, well, it, it, well I mean, it's interesting that you know he, you know, he would have been there during the you know peak Riki Choshu. You know, that's true. Although, wait a minute, you know what? Come to think of it, though, during that time, Choshu might have been in all Japan. Then. I'll have to, I'll have to look. So maybe yeah, maybe maybe that's true. Maybe it wasn't. Anyway. Uh, he first became aware of the Scorpion Deathlock in Japan. Uh, well, the Scorpion Deathlock was something I first saw in Japan. It's intricate. Uh, let's see. But I came up with <laughs> sorry, something. Sorry for this little uh, sidetrack. As it doesn't say who. Who was oh, doing? Conan. Conan taught it to him when Conan. he was in Mexico. Oh, okay. He'd seen it in Japan and thought it was cool, and he didn't know anyone that could teach it to him. And then once he was in Mexico and talking about it, and Conan was like, I know how to put it on, and I'll show it to you, and then showed it to him. Okay, wow. yeah. It, it, it's hard to believe at this point that at one time, uh, Conan el Barbaro uh, was one of the most over people in Mexico. Oh, dude, he was like the Mexican Hulk Hogan. It's wild. Yeah. He was like a humongous megastar. Yeah, for people who only know Conan from, you know, WCW. LWO, you know. baby, for life. La Raza. Um, anyway, uh, so the Young Bucks are now the fourth iteration of the AEW World Tag Team Champions. Uh, post-match, Kenny Omega joins the, the celebration, and but you also see Adam Page just mm-hmm. kind of lurking in the background. Oh, I love this. This was a that, really That was nice good. That was good. Yep, and you know, got FTR kind of slinked out, uh, a little bit shocked, a little bit exhausted, a lot disappointed, uh, and yeah, I thought this was a nice piece of storytelling to keep this thing going. Yeah, so yeah, the the the, the saga will continue. And speaking of sagas, our next match was a saga. It was the the elite deletion match. The between, elite deletion between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. Um, well, Live it, it was from a the Hardy compound. It, it was a pre-taped cinematic clusterfuck, as we was expected. it pre-taped. It was pre-taped. It had to have been. Yeah, yeah, the editing it had was to there. Have been. Yeah, there were some obvious edits there. Oh yeah, but so what? 
I love okay, let's let's get this out of the way. I love the deletion stuff. I love Broken Matt Hardy. Uh the final deletion is one of my favorite things to ever happen in the history of pro wrestling. Um and I was really looking forward to this. It had some identity issues. I think is the biggest uh standout to me. They weren't sure how far they wanted to go with this being like a fully cinematic deletion style match and like one of these AEW signature like not in the ring ma- like live matches kind of like the uh like the Britt Baker and Big Swall match, how they did it off-site but with commentary. Right. And they did that this way, too. And to me, that doesn't work. I think we should leave the commentary out of these type of matches. What say you? I, I, I think maybe... You know, if they had, like, some sort of background noise, because otherwise, when it, when it was just silent and they were running through the forest, I had flashbacks to the Island Death Match in New Japan between uh, yeah, Antonio yeah. Inoki and, uh, and, and Masa Saito, which was one of the worst wrestling matches of all time. Yep. It's coming up, Island Death Match 2 on Little St. James. Nope, nope. They already, no, there would be Island Death Match 3 because they actually, New Japan did a second one. Island Death it, Match 3 on it, Little St. James. <laughs> yeah, they, they did. You're kind a, of burying they, the lead here. Yeah they, they, yeah, they did a second one. Actually, I think they did one in FMW, too. Uh, it was Onita and uh, Tiger and Tiger uh, G. Singh, so. Uh, yeah, you got St. James Island Death Match featuring Jerry Lawler and James Ellsworth. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. I am not touching that one. Special guest referee like every British wrestler. Oh, boy. <laughs> Good thing. You know what? That's why you are on this show, so you can make these comments. That's because right. I am not going to. Damn right I can, and I will. <laughs> um, no, it, it had, yeah, the, the pacing thing. I, I even DM you about this. Like, it, this match def- desperately needs a music bed. And yeah. Like about three quarters of the way through, they put a music bed on it and it made it better. Yeah, right. It's like, why are they doing this the whole time? But also, we got not only did we get Shane Helms, we got fucking Gangrel. Did hell yeah, good for Gangrel. Really nice to see him back on television. He's had a somewhat vamp- vampire revival. warrior. <laughs> yes, and he's done great. He's been a great. He's a uh, you know he's known as a uh, you know great uh, teacher and instructor and mentor to pro wrestlers. Great for the business. Uh, I've seen some of his indie stuff since his like comeback, and he's been great. Well, we so both really we, cool to see. We, we both saw him at two cups we filled because yeah, him against Orange Cassidy. Two cups stuffed, one oh, cup stuffed. Yeah, sorry. Spit out. Um. <laughs> so here's my biggest question about Gangrel: Who did he actually have to pay to be able to be still Gangrel? Because that's WWE does not own that trademark. That is. From White Wolf or whomever it is that owns Vampire the Masquerade now. All right. Well, maybe he bought it. Maybe he owns it now. Who knows? A lot of people are getting their trademarks now. Gangrel's got his. Cody Rhodes has his last name. Uh, Ryback legally changed his name to Ryback to keep his. Oh, Jesus Christ. Really? Yeah, his, his legal name is Ryback Reeves now. Well, well, <laughs> the less said about him, the better. And oh, he's fascinating. I find I could talk. Well, about he's fascinating. Yeah, he's fascinating in the completely wrong way. But yes, I mean, I don't know about necessarily the wrong way. I think he's a genuinely interesting guy. I think he's got a few dipshit opinions here and there. But like, oh, just a few. He's got a couple. He's got a couple. <laughs> but also, like, he's a very like earnest, sincere guy. And I don't. I think he's a well-intentioned guy too. And I think that's an important thing to uh, differentiate with him. I think even his dumb stuff comes from a place of good intentions. He's just kind of dumb. <laughs> he's now, a, he's just kind of a. He's just. But he's a, endearing. Yeah, he's very just a dipshit. Yeah. Um. So now here's the here's the big question here the the, the the big elephant in the room that okay so Sammy Guevara takes takes this table bump and we see him. With you know, you know, he's bleeding out the back of his head. Now, it, did that actually happen? Because no, because we, because, because here at it to where they don't show him actually make the impact with the table. Right. We don't uh, see. Yeah. We yeah. His his hitting the table was off camera. Yeah. No, that blood's kayfabe. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, let's hope so. Anyway. Yeah, I think the idea was this was to make a very clear like kayfabe head injury spot to kind of soften the history of very real head injury. Right. With this, I think the idea was like, make it like really over the top. 
Yeah, because so because not, yeah, because not, all out was not that long ago. Yeah, and like so as so a way to kind of distance yourself from that is do it this way and like kind of erase that memory, so yeah. to speak. And, and so, plus he and plus he did not continue to bleed, so No. But they, yeah, there was a lot of blood on the nose and the head, and I do. I'm almost certain that it was all kayfabe blood. But uh, it ended with a brutal chair to the cement spot. Uh, well, and, yeah, it was. It was to the cement. So leading, it was... Yeah, but it, the, it, you know, it always looks. It's it's a TV show, so if you're yeah. going to suspend your disbelief, then oof. Uh, and that's that's the end of that. Uh, now, the completion. Now, here's my question: Did Matt Hardy really need to win this match? Yes, because I. think think that this might be a way to distance Sammy Guevara from the inner circle. Mm. This is that this is my bold prediction. But mm. we'll see. I mean it, it, it's possible g- given what happens in the next match, but yeah, I, I mean I I can see it as a way to transition, you know, a, Sammy out of this feud, but at the same time, I mean I mean did, did I mean did, did Matt Hardy really need the rub here? I don't think that that's the goal of this match, right? I don't think that giving Matt Hardy a rub was the goal of him winning. I think that this loss is part of Sammy's character development. Make sense? It it does, but I also think that, you know, still it might be better for them if, you know, Sammy actually, you know, won the match too. It could be, but again, I uh, that's I think the I think the goal here is to start beginning uh his transition into something different. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we we know what that's going to be. Uh, we get the aforementioned Jake Roberts and Lance Archer promo, and uh, yeah, boy, they were uh, they, quick they little were... guy. Jake has a very cool snake vest, and he they you know he wants blood. He wants to he wants to eat humans. He literally was like, I gotta feed this guy, and he doesn't want food. He wants people. Yeah, there so you have Lance it. Archer's a cannibal now. <laughs> it's, it's canon. Um, next week we're gonna see Lance Archer like throw a jobber into like one of those big iron cauldrons. And it's boiling and it's got all the vegetables in it. And he's gonna it's gonna like they're gonna get the jobber in there and he's gonna be in there like, oh the agony, and he's gonna be peeling the vegetables for himself, right? And like <laughs> pouring like salt and pepper over his own head. And then hey. and then you're gonna have the you're gonna have the animal trainer gimmick in the safari hat come out and be like Dr. Livingston, I presume. Oh Jesus God. <laughs> Our seventh match of Give the Give me evening. the book and hat, folks. Give me the book. Give me the book. I got this. Our seventh match of the evening, Chris Jericho versus Maxwell Jacob Freeman uh, with the uh, the stipulation that if MJF wins, he is part of the inner circle. Uh, there was a lot of working the arm on this match, which I oh, did yeah. not expect. Before we get to the match, uh, MJF's entrance was very fun. He had a Jericho outline of uh, lights on his robe so as to kind of do the Jericho lighted uh, jacket thing, right? Uh, prior to his entrance, which I thought was fun. That was a nice little touch. Yeah, that that was nice. Um, you know what? This match wasn't great, but uh, it was better than than I, I thought it would be. I I thought that the the screw job finish was actually pretty funny. I actually. thought the whole match was was very good. And something that we don't haven't got to see enough just because of MJF's character focus. MJF can work, man. This kid is 24 years old, and he can absolutely work. And he can put on a, a range of different types of matches with different opponents. Uh, he's a very good seller. Uh, and he, you know, Jericho is a good opponent for him because, you know, this is what Jericho does now, right? He makes young guys look like a million bucks. Like, that's his new job. And he's been doing a great job at it. Uh, yeah, now, and this match was different. Yeah, I mean, I, I said on, on Boom Goes a Dynamite that I thought that, you know, it, it had been a while since Jericho had had a pay-per-view win. So I figured for sure that, you know, this would be the time for Jericho. But, you know, obviously it didn't happen. Hey, Steelers just won. Ha ha. Oh, look at that. Fuck you, Cowboys. <laughs> I hate the I hate the Dallas Cowboys. I get it. Uh, sorry. Uh, anyway, so the uh, the um, yeah, I thought that the screw drop finish was, was just fine. Yeah. And- Shades of Eddie Guerrero, which I love. Uh, it was yeah really well executed. It was smooth. Um, it was funny and. It was a great result. And so now MJF's in the inner circle, folks. Yep. So we're, we're going to have that drama for a while. I'm sure we're going to get some very fun uh, segments out of it. And I'm interested to see what it does, if this is like a way to blow up the inner circle or, or kind of what the uh, what the game plan is here. And I'm interested to see how the storyline develops. 
Yeah, yeah, same. So yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. Uh, we get an ad for the Revolution pay per view, which is due to happen on February the twenty seventh of twenty twenty one. Assuming we're not all dead from COVID. So this then. is the longest layoff between pay per views, right? Well, I guess between no, Revolution three, three months. Enough. It's three months. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah they, they space it out about three months ish. So yeah, four pay per views. Plus, you know, a couple of you know special cards. Like, I mean, I, I mean, maybe they'll, they'll do a Bash of the Beach slash Jericho Cruise. I, God, I hope they don't do the Jericho Cruise. Oh, this please year. don't do the Jericho Cruise. Don't do. Yeah, I hope they don't do that. But I mean, we'll, it's a really we'll also, bad idea, folks. If you're listening to this podcast, do not go on the Jericho Cruise. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll also get you know Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. But yeah, I yeah. mean, they, they they did those on you know in the Dynamite slot this year. So who knows? Um, um, but yeah, fight for the fallen this year, um, you know, it's always about a charity this year. It's going to be, uh, for all of the fallen Republicans on Twitter who are getting bullied by, uh, by Joe Biden supporters, uh, who aren't respecting, uh, their time to mourn and grieve the loss of their big wet president. Uh, so, you know, I think it's important to, to, to give them a safe space. And I think AEW is doing a great job, uh, donating to a worthy cause. Uh, so but yeah, it's about three. Yeah, they they do like one one a quarter. So it seems like so. Yeah. Uh, so after we get that that ad, uh, we get a segment with Orange Cassie, uh, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, and God damn it, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford, and Miro. They're this, back. This angle back. fucking sucks. I fucking hate it. <laughs> it just sucks. doesn't work for me. <laughs> I don't think the Miro, Kip, Sabian, Penelope thing is a thing that makes any sense. I don't think we need it. I think poor Miro, uh, <laughs> after getting exactly what he wanted and the opportunity to you know, uh, flourish creatively and kind of step into the bigger role that he's meant for, immediately being relegated to this uh, seems to be a misuse. Oh, and of Kip, Sabian, and Penelope Ford, who, again, we've talked about, we're doing just fine before this. Yeah, that the shtick was working. The the, the, yeah. the shtick of, of Penelope Ford actually being the better wrestler, and 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 Kip being you know her 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 fuckboy valet. It was going good. Yeah, I thought it was great. And you know now we get to see less Penelope Ford, which sucks. Uh, and Kip is being more annoying, and I don't really see a reason for Miro to be here. The one thing I like is that I think Miro and Trent are good foils for each other. But other than that. But you can do that in other ways. I don't, you know. Yeah, this, I don't angle, think we can. Yeah, this angle sucks. It's not working for me, man. It's this, not this working. This angle honestly. fucking blows. Hopefully, they find something else, uh, or we get out of this, or we, you know, get a blow off match and, and end this whole thing. And now our main event of the evening, and thank God it was the main event. Yeah, which you know they they said at the top of the show it was going to be, and yeah, it makes sense. It, it had to be. Yeah, it had to be uh, John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, uh, AEW World Championship. I quit match. Jesus Christ. This was everything as advertised. Absolutely. It completely delivered on its promise. Uh, Eddie is a perfect rival for this iteration of John Moxley. They had a super intense, emotional and violent match. Uh, that really culminated with with a strong finish. But I thought some of those early and like middle spots were kind of where this match was really at its best. Uh, it got off to a really hot start, and I think you know they carried it through those middle parts with just really impactful violence. I think the only thing that was missing, and a lot of people talked about this already, is no microphone for the uh, for the I quit calls. Which yeah, I, yeah, I thought that was kind of wild. You have to. Like I know they want to differentiate by not being the guys that do that, but there's a reason you do it. Yeah. Um. I also just want to point out that you know we 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 made a a, a lot about Eddie Kingston wearing first that yellow and and black uh, gear in, in tribute to Toshiaki Kawada, and yes. then he wore he wore red, which he he, he took he 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 took to me on Twitter and said, "No, I'm I'm doing Tawei this time." So now he he's gone to Misawa. So Eddie. So. You, you, you owe me Kobashi. <laughs> yes, give us Kobashi. And then and also the, the basketball shorts sort of uh, play on the trunks, which, you know, we all love to get basketball shorts, Eddie, on our, on our wrestling shows. Hell yeah. Shout, shout out to Chris Hero. Hell yeah. Um, um, but no, th- this, ma- you know, once again, we, 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 we brought out barbed wire. We brought out 
thumbtacks. When do we get an actual light tube death match on AEW programming at this point? They're they're not afraid to. They're still afraid to put the light tubes out. We're not. We are not going to get the light tubes. Did Kenny and Mox didn't use light tubes, did they? No, the they didn't. no, they did not. See, and it was called lights out. Like if you're going to have an opportunity to do it, it's then. Yeah, it was a match called the lights out match, light tubes out match. Pull your I light mean, tubes. We, 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 there are several members of the top tier members of the AEW roster who are not strangers to light tubes, uh, including oh, yeah. one Penta El Cerro Miedo. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine just having Janela and Penta go out there and light tube each other to death? Jesus. Well, I mean, you know, I, this is where I say also say I'm not a fan of light tube death matches. Oh, but I they, am. I'm a sick little freak, and I love my death matches. Uh, Although, just... I'll say this, man. I was watching the GCW show from the showboat today, mm-hmm. and it turns out the, the scariest death match weapon of all is an airborne virus when you're running an indoor indie, independent wrestling show. Because uh, I can tell you, like, I've watched some pretty fucking brutal, incredibly violent matches over the last couple years. I saw G-Raver almost fucking die, for Christ's sake. Well, yeah, and, so did we. So did and I, yeah. nothing... Nothing makes me feel more uncomfortable than watching pandemic era indie wrestling on an indoor venue. Jesus Christ. It really makes me feel uneasy, man. Trivia. Who, who was the who who is credited as the first wrestler to use a light tube? Oh god, I have literally no idea. It would be current New Japan jobber Tomaki Hanma. Oh wow. In, in back That's... in Big Japan in those matches. Yeah. Is a fun fact. In those matches against Ryuji Yamakawa, and I will never forgive Combat Zone because uh, because of a you know paint huffing <laughs> you know loser named Wife Beater fucking ended Ryuji Yamakawa's career. Whoops, yeah, pretty cool. Fucker. Yeah, cool name, cool stuff, cool promotion. Uh, it's something I forgot about. I was watching the wrestler the other day. Uh, and I had compl- actually yesterday, and I had completely forgotten that uh, Randy the Ram Robinson's like death match in that movie is a CZW match against Necro Butcher. Yes, it is. He's like it's Necro's using a different name, but yeah, it's that's the idea. And yeah, I totally forgot about that, and it's really well shot. That movie is great. Oh, it's it, a it, it's a it's a fine fan. movie. Yeah, it, it, I think it it's is fantastic. A fine movie. I think it's I think it's a brilliant, beautiful movie, and Ricky Rourke is incredible in it. This was a brilliant. Beautiful match too. Uh, yeah, I thought it, it was, it was just, again. Well, we'll talk about you know pros pros and cons, but yeah, I thought it was perfectly executed. Uh, everything done to exactly what we wanted to get, and we got it. Yeah, and, and it, it almost it was amazing how Eddie when he was saying I quit, he almost felt like he was crying when he said it because he was. He literally made himself cry because he's Eddie Kingston. It's what he does. Yeah, and it it's was, okay it was, to cry with your homies when you're getting choked out with barbed wire. Yeah, it was. Uh, th- this was fantastic. I, I yeah. His reaction at the end, he wouldn't shake Moxley's hand, and he kind of stumbled out. Um, you know, kind of a "this isn't over" type deal. John Moxley's time as the AEW champion has been magnificent. He's been champion for it'll be a year at the next pay per view. And if, uh, if, I, well, if it goes that far, yeah. I expect him. To, that's where I'm getting to. I expect him to keep his belt until then, at the very least. Um, I think will be defending this title uh, at Revolution. I think he's only had really one bad title match, and that was against Jake Hager in, in the early days of the pandemic. But yeah, that's cause, just because fuck Jake Hager. Well, and, and Jake Hager, yeah, but... Uh, but, I mean, yeah... That's I, wonder, really... I wonder what kind of great mood he's been in lately. He's probably <laughs> feeling real nice. Uh, yeah, well, gosh. Loser. They're all losers. Go home to mommy. Pack it in. You look terrible. Um, you fought against a tin can and could barely beat him. You're terrible. Get him out of here. As we as we uh, as we as we fade away, uh, Kenny Omega comes out to stare down John Moxie a little bit. Moxie invited him into the ring, and you know Omega, of course, uh, yeah, wants no part of a death match. Like, oh, after you see these shoes, I'm not getting in there. Yeah, so I'm not wearing a shirt, but I'm definitely not going to ruin these shoes. That's right. But yeah, so it's a, he says, uh, and, and Excalibur does a good job kind of explaining to the TV audience that Kenny is telling him, you know, I don't want to do another repeat of the Lights Out match. I want to do real wrestling. And that's where Kenny has the advantage. Yeah, so well, except, it, 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 yeah, yeah, except you know, they, 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 they tried that with the MJF thing. And, and you know, it's funny because if, if you remember before lockdown, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. had made that same argument. 
mm-hmm. in New Japan too. You know, Jonathan Moxley. If this was a bar fight in Philadelphia, he would have he would murder me. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why you need to be more British and just give the guy a fucking Chelsea smile. That's right. That's why you just break a glass and you give him Joker face. You know, it, it's amazing how how many names for that thing. Yeah, I mean, I said there Chelsea are... smile to go with the England one. I know right. it as the Glasgow smile. Glasgow, my Glasgow it's a Glasgow Scottish. kiss. Yeah, Glasgow, Glasgow kiss. kiss. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Just in Glasgow, they'll just be like, "Yeah, I glassed him." They'll just be like, "Yeah, I, I just smashed a bottle or uh, or a pint glass over this man's head." Yeah, or you know, or if you're, Very or culture. if you're Francis Begbie, you just kind of toss it over your shoulder and it'll hit somebody <laughs> at random. Oh boy! Oh, or yeah. if you're uh, if you're Charlie Hunnam, you'll uh, accidentally murder someone. I uh, you know, since I I finally bought some bookshelves, so I'm unpacking my books, so I find all my Irving Welsh books, ah. including one I picked up in England. I haven't cracked open, but it's called The Blade Artist, and Begbie is the main character in that book. Oh wow! So, shout out to Irvine Welsh. Shout out. So. <laughs> this is a literature podcast. It, it is now. <laughs> Next week, we're just going to read the entire audiobook of Chris Jericho's fourth book. Uh, fourth book, No is a Four-Letter Word. What? Yeah, it's about the age of consent. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to. Oh, my God. All right, with that. That's really we, the name of the book, though. That's the title of the book. I thought it was, uh, no, I thought it was Jericho 30 or something. It's called No is a four-letter oh. word, as a, like, you know, like, no is a swear word, because, like, uh, no really means yes. Yeah, I, I, I know where you're going with this, Paul. <laughs> hey, he wrote it. I didn't write it. And with that, we fade out on Full Gear 2020, uh, live from Jacksonville. Um. In- <laughs> Bye, God. Jacksonville, Florida. Gene. Uh, compared to All Out, this was magnificent. I mean, probably, uh, definitely their best pay-per-view this year. Really? Because uh, that was going to be my next question. What do you think that their best uh, pay-per-view or mega card was for this year? You, you think this was this it? Year, yeah, I think this one probably followed by Revolution. See, I'm going to give it to uh, Revolution because just because I was there, you know, and I, well, it, was, it was all part of a fun, you know, C2E2 weekend before, you know, the the entire world caught fire. True. I, I would say this was the number one. I still think their number one of all time was the first double or nothing. I still think that's their best. Uh, that's that's their best outing so far. So we're not we're not counting all in as part of this. Uh... I don't think all in counts, but I I think double or nothing was probably a better show than all in. You know what? I think All Out 2019 was just fine. All because, Out 2019 because they did have too. that awesome uh, Penta Phoenix versus Young Bucks match. Yes, and and, 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 and and it did give us you know the the little bit of the bubbly meme that you know. Yeah, it did. No, a lot of good stuff happened there, and you know I love a Sears Center show, uh, one that especially when I attended. It, it's now uh, the Now Center. The Now Center. The Now. That's what I call Music Center. That's right. Uh, featuring. Uh, uh, wait, hanging on a moment by Lifehouse. There you, oh, wow. All right. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, you know what? Um, yeah, all out 2020 definitely was the, the low, the, 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 the least of the mega shows. Cause yeah, I, I nearly lost it during that one. Um, the, the two night fighter fest I thought was okay too. Yeah. 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 There's definitely a bunch of okays, but I would say the, the best of what they have to offer this show, first double or nothing revolution. Those are like the A tier. Yeah. Um. What? Yeah. Well, I was talking about just for this year, though. For it's this really, year, this is the one for me. Yeah. Yes. I'm still gonna go with revolution. This was definitely right. definitely number two for me, though. Fair. So I thought this. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, the not. You know, I I didn't like. Not everything was great to me, but nothing was was actively bad either. Yeah, correct. And there, were, true, there, true, true. and there was nothing really cringeworthy like like all out had. Yeah, I thought so, like the, the like as far as liking and not liking stuff is just all matter of preference or taste in wrestling, I think more than anything. Like not there nothing really happened that was done poorly like outright. Yeah. 
But no, I thought that this was a, this was a fine show and definitely maybe worth a rewatch if you're going. I rewatched it today, and I've got to tell you, it absolutely was worth the rewatch, especially Omega Page. I'm just gonna say it to date to right now, Omega Page from this show is my match of the year. Okay, it it was a fine match. It was a, it was a fantastic match. I I'm not gonna say it was my match of the year, but it's it's making a list of good of really good matches. Absolutely. We'll talk match of the year at the end of the year, but this one is my front runner currently. Paul. And in AEW for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul, go ahead and blog it yourself. All right. Well, the aforementioned Twitch stream, uh, you can definitely uh, back on Monday with Lucha Underground. We talked about Lucha Underground. Uh, we do Lucha Underground watch along streams on Mondays at twitch.tv slash Thick Flare. How, how, how soon before that Ultima Lucha so I can. Oh, we're still a ways away. That shit oh, okay. is. That's a, dude, that season's like 40 episodes. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> I forgot how long the first. The first season is like literally 40 episodes. Oh, wow. So they really went along with that. So we'll, we will get to it, but stick around with us on Mondays for that. Follow me on Twitter at ThickFlareTTV and follow the podcast on Twitter at BGTD Podcast. That's BGTD, like boom, goes the Dynamite Podcast. BGTD Podcast on Twitter where we'll uh, talk wrestling. You can always send us thoughts about the podcast, about any recent AEW activity. If you just want to tell me I suck and then I'll roast you. Whatever you want to do, uh, we will be there. Uh, and that's all I got right now. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style. My personal Twitter at GD Wessel, two S's, one L. Um, we should have a new Strong Style Story coming up either Monday or Tuesday because we do have a tour coming up and we we, we just completed a tour too. Uh, still waiting on lineups for half of this tour because it's a split tour. Um, but also. Um, of course, Wednesday, we will have our normal uh, episode of Boom Goes the Dynamite. Yeah, uh, with, so uh, tune in. Make sure you subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You iPhone users, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Android users can find us at Google Podcasts or uh, you know Spotify. Not on Spotify, actually. We're on a bunch of other shit. If you you know get a podcast somewhere, type in Boom Goes the Dynamite. We'll probably be there. And if of course, not, and of course, on here on SoundCloud on the PWOM Podcast Network. That's right. Where mother, we've always the mothership, been. if you will. Where we've always been and where we will always be. So, uh, Paul, any last words? Um, drink Bon and Viv Artisan Hard Seltzers. They're delicious. And with that, we'll see you on Wednesday. Mm, it's really good. Bye now.